everyone, and welcome back to the Football Around the World podcast. My name is Christian, and I'm joined by amazing co-host, Jose. Jose, how are you doing? I'm um, pretty good. Did you enjoy the fixtures this weekend? Um, some disappointing results for me across two of the three leagues that I mainly watch, mostly Bundesliga and Premier League. But as far as Barca goes, that was basically the only game that ended up with me being a happy person at the end of it. But yeah. Borussia Dortmund lost, and Arsenal lost, which means that overall I took a big L this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I know on the title race in the Bundesliga, I'd say you support Bayern over Dortmund winning it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, correct. For the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you were a pretty happy guy after the, the Dirk Klassiker uh, this past weekend. So you want to jump into that right away? Yeah, I'll take care of the Bundesliga. Bayern versus Borussia Dortmund. Probably the biggest game of the whole weekend with the most unexpected result, I would say. I don't know what you think. Um, it's probably unexpected. I thought it was going to be a lot closer. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like this hasn't happened before. Previous years kind of show that Bayern have been dominant overall um, when they do come up against each other. Mm-hmm. And there's been the rarity of like, games where Dortmund will win or it'll be closer than usual. Mm-hmm. But a blow is unexpected, but at the same time, it's not really. Okay. Yeah, so, like, um, pretty good game, I guess you could say. Um, action kicked off in the fifth minute when Dorman um, led a great attack and DeHood shot the ball and grazed the pulse and went out. He should have and could have done better. Um, this could have changed, like, the whole game, I guess you could say, if it would have got an early goal, but they did yeah. not. Well, then DeHood probably regretted that, missing that shot, because four minutes later, the ex-Dorman center back, Hummels leaped over the Dorman defense and headed the ball into the back of the net. He didn't celebrate. Yeah, I don't know. It was was that a celebration? Or are you just just nah, I don't. I wouldn't say it's like a full blown celebration because I feel like he would have went up to the fans and would have like started going, or he would have like mm-hmm. hugged his teammates, or I don't know, done something more than just give like a little f- like fist pump that he gave. Okay, why is it that Lewandowski celebrates then? Does he just whatever? Um, actually, I remember the first year that he went back to Bayern, or not back to Bayern, went but when to he Bayern. first to Bayern. Yeah. Um, and they went back to the game Bayern versus Dortmund mm-hmm. um, he actually scored and he didn't celebrate at all but then like after years it's been like what four or five years it's now, been a while now. yeah so I feel like I, it's just like it's been too long he doesn't really care anymore mm-hmm. the next club yeah so almost did pretty good recently or he's, he's been improving slowly but like kind of in the past month or two um, he's been getting lots of hate from Bayern mm-hmm. fans so it's good of him to score a goal against his ex-team in a big game this goal not just gave the lead to Bayern, but also created the biggest and most unexpected downfall of a team, of a top team in a long time, in my opinion. Because after that goal, I feel like everything just went downhill. Because in the 16th minute, when defender Zagadou tried switching the field, Lewandowski was next to him very closely and intercepted the pass. After intercepting the pass, he was 1v1 versus a goalkeeper. He flicked it over him and volleyed it in to make it 2-0 versus the league leaders at the time. That was very disappointing. Zagadu, stupid. Zagadu, I feel like our center backs for Dortmund are just so inexperienced mm-hmm. in terms of playing top flight football for a good while, especially at like a top level. A lot of people trash Bundesliga for being a farmer's league, but it's not as bad as League One, you could say. I don't think anything gets as bad as League One, farmer's league wise. Uh, but here's the thing, right? Bundesliga is still competitive. You have to agree with me. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if obviously, you, if you take out Bayern from the equation and even Dortmund. The rest of the league is pretty tight overall. You could mm-hmm. say, like, any team can be any team. Mm-hmm. Really, the only people who are, for the most part, dominant and have been dominant over the years 
have been Bayern. It's been the only team. Even Dortmund will lose to like bottom of the league. Yeah. Um, teams, you know, and anything can happen. But I mean, Zagadu, he should do a lot better. He passed it. He first of all, he could have went back to Berkey on the play. Yeah, that was the obvious thing. Just drop it back to the goalie. He and tried forcing it too hard. He tried passing it with his left towards Lewandowski. Mm-hmm. Lewandowski is already closer to his left foot than his right foot, which which was a dumb thing. And he tried passing across the field, mm-hmm. and uh, his teammate. Was literally like behind Lewandowski at this point once he started once um Leo started putting the pressure on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a really stupid mistake. It pissed me off. Yeah, it was really stupid. I feel like, but like, there's I don't think there's an excuse like experience or not experience. These guys are professional. They should like yeah. You just do don't better. Do that. Yeah, you don't do that. So it was just stupid. Probably felt that, especially with that the whole environment and how big the game was. Probably yeah, especially did at the Allianz. Yeah, because I feel like it would have been. This is going to sound stupid, but I feel like it would have been a different result if it would have been um, at the Signali Duna Park. Yeah, I agree with you on that one because the whole environment gets to you. Because, like, you can see the stadium looks completely packed. Like, that yeah. all gets to you at that moment. You see red everywhere. Mm-hmm. There was, like, t- there was just, like, one little group of yellow, and that was basically it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So, as I said, Zagadou made a huge mistake. Um, and then the 40th minute after Byron free kick, the ball kind of bounced around. And deflected around until it hit Javi Martinez. And Javi Martinez saw an open chance and blasted in the net. Being a 3-0 in the 40th minute. Good finish. Yeah, it was kind of like the Will Hughes, I guess. But not not, not as, like, Nowhere as near as sweet. Okay, but it was kind of like the same play, I guess you could say. Yeah, like, uh, ball put in, comes out to the edge of the area. And then Javi Martinez, with his, like, uh, with a inside of his foot, curled mm-hmm. finish to the far post, side netting pretty decent because you wouldn't think he has that like in his locker you know yeah, i was like wait this is Javi martinez i thought there was someone else but... bang it but no he yeah. stepped up at the moment made the good goal um and then two minutes later a perfect cross weaves through a sleeping dormant defense to nabri who petted it in four zero before half nabri stirring up his famous dish with um chef david yeah dishing it <laughs> to uh david alba mm-hmm. having a feast there so i just don't know how nabri like got the header to that you know i just don't know like did you see the play because like the yeah, defender was just so gone the defender was in front of nabri for some reason which like you you don't do that you mm-hmm. stay behind your man you know so he was in front of uh, nabri which is bad nabri slipped behind him because obviously the defender wasn't looking to see where he was he was yeah. checking his shoulder mm-hmm. so i feel like if you would have done that he could have done better on the play but he didn't check his shoulder Pitch check didn't have a man on him but he still needs to be aware if there would be anyone behind him. So that's why he was a little further back. That's why he didn't uh, like step in too close. Otherwise, Pitcha could have got to him. Um, but the thing is, he has to stay wide because he's a fullback. Yeah. And then basically, Nabri was left wide open. It's kind of stupid. Nabri, I don't even know if he could generate that much power off of a header. Because it was still pretty far. Yeah, but he was wide open though. Yeah, it was. <sighs> and then, you know, um, Dorn went into halftime, you know. People probably think, oh, Cinderella story, you know, it's perfect time for Cinderella story. Um, score five goals and win the game, but didn't happen. Um, nothing changed, really. And Lewandowski scored the fifth in the 89th minute. Here we are. Bayern are ahead by one point, I believe, correct? Yeah, we were talking about this before, like two minutes before the podcast started, before I hit record. You say, oh, they're a point ahead. They can still catch up. But after you lose 4-0 to your main, like, rivals... Five. How do you come back from that? Like, it's any other team. Like, where's your confidence at? Um, well, I mean, 
here's the thing. I also looked at the fixtures that Bayern have ahead and their toughest fixtures that they have coming up. Uh, Werder Bremen, who are in eighth place currently, mm-hmm. which they're not a bad team, Werder Bremen aren't. Um, but then they also have to play RB Leipzig and Eintracht Frankfurt, who has the top goal scorer, um, I think as of right now, in the Bundesliga, which is Luka Jovic, who's on fire. Yeah. Who's getting uh, probably going to get picked up by some big clubs. But then also Dortmund still have to play um, Schalke, who are their rivals. Um, they are towards the bottom of the league table, but nonetheless, they are the rivals. So that's important. They do have to play Ritter Bremen and their other rivals, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, which that's important because uh, Mönchengladbach are fighting for a top four spot. Um, I believe they're currently fifth right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it basically just goes on the wire. If Dortmund choke any of these games, these last oh, one, two, three, four, five games that they have left, it's game over basically and Bayern win the league. But same thing could be said the other way around. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a matter if Dorman can just stay winning and just kind of hope for Bayern to like slip up or something. Same thing with uh, Liverpool, Man City too, though. Yeah, but the the thing here I feel like is that um, Bayern are much more dominant. No, yeah, they're much more dominant, but they also can't like Dorman can't afford to tie points with Bayern at this point now. The goal difference is way too high for Bayern now. Is so, it? I'm pretty sure for this result. <laughs> yeah, there's 46 goal difference for Bayern and 31 for Dortmund. See? Yeah, so they basically have to win every single game and hope Bayern lose. Yeah, but like I said before, the teams that are playing Bayern, some of them still have, like, objectives to get, like Champions League. RB Leipzig are for sure in top three. I think they're third place right now. So I'm sure they're going to be securing their spot um, because they're third place with 55 points. Mm-hmm. And Eintracht are fourth. Um... But like I said, Mönchengladbach are fighting for top four as well. So Eintracht have something to fight for, while RB Leipzig look like they're already going to be finishing top three. Mm-hmm. But still, who doesn't want to win against Bayern, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, there you go. Uh, so that happened. That's uh, the Bundesliga uh, for you. But then we're going to jump into FA Cup really quick, which happened on... Uh, this game that you're going to go into, right? Man City? Saturday. Right? Saturday. Right? All right. So Saturday, Man City versus Brighton. At Wembley, pretty amazing. Sterling, like I said before, what a guy. At first, I didn't really like Sterling when he moved from um, Liverpool. I still don't. To Man City. And I think that's just because you're a butthurt Liverpool fan. Uh, he's just annoying. But respect Sterling uh, for stepping up for Moise Keane. That was pretty cool. And then just for him keeping his head overall um, when he was on international duty, when he was getting like jeered by the fans or whatever mm-hmm. like being racist then and then even now buying i think like 500 tickets for like his old school that he used to go to for like the students or whatever <sighs> what a guy man he took him he took him to the semifinal at wembley like that's pretty cool you know no nah, it's because the Brighton fans outsold him that's probably why he did it i don't know but i just think sterling cool guy but anyway man city versus Brighton at wembley like i said um gabriel jesus started the game with a goal to make it 1-0 in the fourth minute um, it was a quick play from the Citizens. It was an across-the-field pass um, all the way to Bernardo, who touched it down for Kevin De Bruyne on the right flank. De Bruyne doing what he does best and just whipping in a ball into the danger areas all the way to the back post. He only needed two touches, one to touch it down, and then another to put in the actual cross all the way to the back post, um, which Jesus just headed nicely. All he had to do was get the correct finish on it, which he did, made it uh, 1-0 in the fourth minute. And then a red card shout. Um, Kyle Walker could have possibly got sent off, which could have changed the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was after he was pushed down, he was trying to shield the ball, 
um, basically by the byline of uh, Man City's edge or half the field. Yeah. And then um, Jahan Bosch came up behind him and kind of pushed him down as he was trying to shield the ball. So he pushed him down and then he stepped on his like hamstring. And so Kyle Walker felt that and he was pissed. So he got up um, and Jahan Bosch was like going for the ball or whatever. He got up, he squared up to him and then he tried to headbutt him. And then when he tried to headbutt him, he didn't get like the good contact, I guess yeah. you could say. And his forehead just kind of slid down Jahan Bosch's nose. Mm-hmm. And so um, VAR reviewed this. The referee saw it, so he called it uh, immediately just to see what the VAR was going to say. VAR said, no red card. But here's the thing. I feel like if there would have been no VAR in this situation, I feel like Kyle Walker would have got sent off. Really? Yeah, because literally any other game where there isn't VAR, or like even in the past years, if you see an attempt for a headbutt where two people square up and one of them goes for a headbutt, it's a red card, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I feel like the referee would have had to have made his own decision and then it would have left no VAR to make the decision because he basically left it out for VAR because he didn't want to review it. Yeah. He didn't want to take the time for it. So he just made the process quicker, told VAR to review it, or VAR told him that they were going to review it. And then he just kind of said, all right, VAR said no, so we're good. But I feel like if the referee would have been forced to make a decision by himself, it would have been a red card because he was clear, like he clearly saw it. He had a good view of it. But that's just my opinion, at least. I don't know if you saw the foul or anything. I did not catch it. But um, recently, once you kind of start touching, like, head-to-head, um, the FA has kind of been taking action to, like, punish him for that. So I could st- I can see why it'd be a red card, but I'm not sure completely. I'm not really with that whole touching heads is a red card for me, but, you know. I mean, touching heads isn't a red card, but once they go for a headbutt, do you think it's a red card? Um, it did depends what it looks like i didn't see it so i'm not gonna say anything but it depends on if their action was like violent or it looks like there's gonna be violent then yeah i'd probably yeah, get a red basically card. he legit tried to headbutt him mm-hmm. like forehead to forehead but he, he just didn't get the contact he literally just slipped he was too far back mm-hmm. so his forehead barely made any contact did he get a yellow card or something oh uh, they both got yellows okay. for the altercation all right that makes sense yeah okay. so i guess uh fair for both sides, I guess, because, I mean, it was pretty dirty. It was a pretty dirty challenge overall. Um, yeah, yellow cards for both of them. But then, Brighton did have a couple chances they were putting on the pressure later on in the game, and then Murray came close to scoring. This was a really good chance for Brighton to tie it and um, to make it 1-1. Mm-hmm. The chance came off a corner, and the ball was headed towards goal, but it took a deflection, which made the ball glide ever so slowly towards the goal, but then Laporte got there right before Glenn Murray did to clear the ball right in front of the line. It was inches away from going in, and then Laporte, with his weaker foot, touched it with his right foot on the outside, and it went right over the crossbar. It was. Like, I did catch this one. That was crazy. I was surprised mm-hmm. Glenn Murray did not get a touch to that. Uh, but I was like kind of rooting for Brighton just because like the underdogs or whatever. I'd rather see like um, two unlikely teams go mm-hmm. to the final than a Man City probably going to dominate the FA Cup final. Maybe that just makes me a City really? hater. Really? <laughs> okay. All right. But I don't know. That's just my opinion. Glenn Murray could have uh, could have scored, but didn't happen. The game ended with City playing the ball in the corner for the final like minutes, with Brighton defenders just surrounding the last three City players in the corner. But nevertheless, that was how the game ended, and it sent uh, City to the FA Cup final. Did you watch the game at all, or no? Did not catch the game. Did not catch the highlights. I just I do rem- I do remember seeing the Laporte um, kind of Clearance. save, or. Yeah, it's crazy. They had a couple good chances, but Brighton just couldn't finish at all. 
And then City did have a couple others. Sterling had one clear chance where it was a 2v1 situation. Mm-hmm. Jesus chipped it over the uh, the Brighton defender. And then Sterling hit it on his left um, first time on a volley. And it went straight to Ryan. But it was a good chance nevertheless. It does surprise me though because I did not expect a 1-0 Man City to Brighton. I would expect a... I thought it was going to be a blowout. Yeah. But he's, I mean, pr- he's probably also resting players because he's got Champions League today. Yeah, Otamendi did really good. He won a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did have one dirty foul. Oh, he's always there. been dirty. Yeah, he, dirty. he's a pretty dirty player, but you, you got to do what you got to do. You're a defender, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you do. Um, yeah, it's basically 1-0 City. They're on to the final, and they play, Jose? They play the winner of the games I'm about to get to next, which is Watford versus Wolves. Um, Our both fixtures, I probably thought this was going to be the more entertaining one, and it certainly was. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, definitely, I'd say so, because okay. this was a game that I was hyped up for. Mm-hmm. Well, 36 minute, it was a corner kick. Um, they, took, they kind of took, like, a short corner, um, curled it in the area, and finding no other than Matt Doherty, who has had an incredible season so far, in my opinion. Um, I agree. He's made it even better, scoring the header and putting Wolves up 1-0 at Wembley. Um, yeah, like we said, he's been playing pretty good this whole season. He's kind of like a breakout star in the Premier League, in my Wolves opinion. Wolves, in general, have just been spectacular. Yeah, that's why I kind of, like... That's why it kind of hurt me to, like, watch the highlights and review this game. Because I feel like this incredible Wolf season could be, like, um, remembered by an FA Cup final or, like, winning an FA Cup. But that did not happen. Because in the 60th minute, um, Jota carried the ball quickly and rapidly on a counterattack towards goal. A little past the halfway line, he was brought down by Holbus. And Holbus received a yellow card. They took a short free kick, passing it to Matt Doherty again, who's had an incredible season, like I said before. Um, making it even better again, he curled it in to goal to find no other than Raul Jimenez, who bumped it with his chest and scored a half Mexican volley. magician. He's better than Chicha. I've been saying it, and I'm going to continue saying it. Raul Jimenez is in his own little world at Wolves right now. He's been amazing the whole season. It's just like, I feel like people had an expectation, and he's completely exceeded that by like tenfold. He's been so good this season. I don't even remember what my expectation was anymore. What 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 was your expectation of Rohit Minis arriving at Wolves? Um, I'd say there's a one ten, year loan deal. I said so. ten goals, maybe. I didn't even think that many. Maybe if that's what I had. I thought I said he got like max five. Yeah, I didn't think he was gonna get played at all. First of all, mm-hmm. I did not think he was gonna get played too much. There was gonna be like another cheat shot, just like sit the bench, and just kind of come on and try to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was such a key role at Benfica as well. So I'm glad that um, he's getting the playing time that he deserves at Wolves. Yeah, and then when he did score, he ran behind the net to grab his uh, Sincara mask that was plastered with many Wolves badges. Um, pretty cool to see. Um, Sincara did show him love on Twitter. So he was watching the game too. So Who's Sincara, Jose? He's a WWE wrestler. Um, not very familiar. I just heard the name. He's, he's, he's kind of like a Mexican. I don't want to say a Mexican legend. Wrestling legend, I, you could I say. guess, but it's, it's not like, like real wrestling. wrestling legend. Let's say one of that. All right. So he's famous for that. Um, really cool mask. I thought it was really cool. Really cool celebration. But then four minutes later, Delafeo was subbed in for Will Hughes, and I'm only saying this because this sub was instrumental for what came next, which is in the, in the 79th minute. After a couple of bounces in the area, the ball found Delafeo, who chipped it perfectly to the top right corner of the net. Nothing the keeper could do about it. 1-2, the comeback was on. This goal? Goal of the season. <laughs> do you, are you actually being serious about that? This one? Or Thompson versus Man City? 
Not even the Hughes one? Oh, That's a banger, too. Okay, Hughes one's a banger, but th- th- this ain't... Okay, but here's he the thing, He topped his man. own player. He's, he topped his own teammate's uh, goal. The, the Townsend um, against City was a really good one. But this is FA Cup, though. This is a class, though. I feel like this is more a class. I feel like Townsend kind of... Oh, I don't here, even want to say he got lucky, because whatever. Delefeu, here's the thing. Delefeu had no pressure on him. First of all, this is a huge error um, from the Wolves defense. Den Docker. Den Docker did not put any pressure on him whatsoever. He just kind of stood there with his arms behind his back mm-hmm. and just kind of waiting for a shot so he couldn't get his foot in. Um, but he was way too far. You don't leave that kind of space uh, for a former Barca player and like even just a general like good player. He's a quality player, mm-hmm. Delefeu is. And just like the curl on that, you could just tell that was... He was going in. He just didn't know what he was going to do there. You didn't know if he was going to whip in the cross, but he saw the, the chance for a shot for a little dink over the keeper. That's what he did. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, you, you say it's the Den and, um, Den and Docker's fault. But, yeah. like you said, who expected that? The, yeah, but the thing is, right? I don't know, For, man. for a quick player like Delefeu, if you're going to go to him, you have to go to him. You can't give a player like him any chances inside the box to do anything. He, he gave him time and space. Even there was another Wolves player behind Delefeu who was just kind of waiting for him to do something. Mm-hmm. Just kind of waiting for Den Donker to go in pressure. Um, so that other player didn't pressure himself. So, so there's two potential players that could have done something about it who stood there and watched Delefeu just chip their goalie. Mm-hmm. But it was such a sweet finish. It was it was nice and calm. He just did not care. A little finish. A nice finesse chip. Mm-hmm. So potential goal of the year because um, it was an amazing goal. And also like the stage it was in FA Cup semifinal. So it's one of my top five for sure now. When, when that happened, did you think... It was gonna be a comeback. No, once Wolves was up two zero, I kind of felt like oh, I watch these guys choke it. Like but right, it's seventy ninth minute. Delfeo gets one back. It's kind of like at that point in my head, at that stage of the game, I'm like, yeah, there's ten minutes left. But is that a consolation goal at that point? I think yes. Yeah, like like no disrespect to Watford anyway, but I feel like Jota and Raul Jimenez kind of could have just killed the time at the end, because they're capable. They're mid is capable of winning the balls back. Yeah. controlling the whole game so it surprised me when they did because in the 92nd minute a cross was put into the area Troy Deeney beat um, Denon Docker again to the cross and in an effort of Denon Docker trying to get to the ball he stuck a leg out that caught Deeney causing him to fall to the ground Mike Oliver immediately pointed to the spot erupting Wembley was it a penalty? yeah okay. I'd say so Troy Deeney won the ball first kind of pushed it past Denon Docker's foot and Denager caught Troy Dini's, like, ankle, kind of. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a slight touch, but in my opinion, it's still a penalty. Yeah, he did He did exaggerate it, but, like, it yeah, was still a penalty regardless. And then um, Troy Dini, probably the most pressure in the world, holy, I don't, I don't know if I wouldn't be able to handle that at all. Um, just the whole stadium yelling or whistling. Boring, whistling. And then Cooley, he just blasted behind the net, 2-2 two, two extra time. Troy Dini is one of those penalty takers that you need like, in your team. Him. Like a, like a Milovojevic? Yeah, him, Milovojevic. Um, Balotelli. For the most, yeah, Balotelli, for the most part, I'd, um, I'd bank on Jamie Vardy scoring a pen, even though it was What? A, Jamie Vardy is a pretty good pen taker. Other than the time when he got subbed on, he missed. <laughs> that was the only time that I saw him choke a penalty. But other than that, he's a pretty good penalty taker overall. I'm talking, like, in the Prem. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to exclude Balotelli from the list. Prem. 
I'm saying right now. Oh, okay. And in the 104th minute, Andre Gray carried the ball. Um, he kind of just carried it, carried it till it was the right moment to feed it to Delfeo, who beat his man and brushed the ball into the goal, making it 3-2 and kind of just went up to the Wolves fans and kind of just stared at him. You think the keeper could have done better on that? No. I think his positioning uh, was a little off. Cause he was a little was, off, but he was completely beat his man. Oh yeah, that was bad. See, here's the thing that I'm talking about. This is what I said. Um, Delefeu was a former Barca player when Dembele was injured. Delefeu was doing bits. The thing that helps Delefeu a lot is his dribbling and his pace. Mm-hmm. That's how he beats his man. He was doing it in La Liga. He was doing it at Milan. He was doing it at Everton before that. Um, but he's doing it again at Watford. He's doing what he does best: beating defenders with pace and dribbling. Mm-hmm. And that just shows the quality that he has. He he can be a Barca player if he wants to. I think, in my opinion, Barca should have kept him and should have actually played him. Yeah, it's so hard to like play yeah. a player like that because you have so much talent on your team already. You know. That's true, but I feel so bad because Barca bought him back. They did. They did his buyback clause. It kind of ruined his career for a little, you know. For a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was that doing, whole stage is just useless. When he was uh when he was starting, he was actually doing really well. Even when he came off the bench, he was mm-hmm. just pacing defenders in La Liga left and right. But that just shows the quality of a player like that. Like, he has the potential to be at Barca, but there's so much quality at Barca that you literally can't have him in the squad. Yeah. Which is pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, Dilfeu, he's one of my favorite players because he, he is a former Barca player. I think that's just why I favor him a little bit more. Cringe. Um, But I do like him a lot. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, so Dilfeu, probably player of the game coming off the bench doing Definitely. Like Comeback was completed 3-2, Watford beating Wolves, and setting up a day with Manchester City at Wembley. Um, do you think Wolves would have had a... Oh, okay. Do you think Wolves would have a better shot of beating Man City than Watford? Yeah. Because I want to say that, but then again, Watford did beat Wolves. So I don't know how to feel about it. See, here's the thing, though. Wolves are the same type of team. Wolves go, like, hand-in-hand with the big, with the big teams in the Premier League, mm-hmm. but then they'll go against, like, the lower table teams mm-hmm. and they'll absolutely bottle it which is really annoying to see but then Watford Watford isn't the thing is Watford isn't a bottom team either though like no, in the same not. place as Wolves no. I understand that but here's the thing I feel like Watford just overall you don't know what you're really gonna get from them cause it could've stayed 2-0 mm-hmm. and nothing would've happened if the manager in my opinion the manager got it right the Watford manager? yeah putting okay. Delefeu on okay. uh, to make a big substitution but imagine he would have never done that. This would have never happened. We would have been talking about Wolves versus Man City. Yeah, he's kind of like that. I feel like the feels kind of like the spark. Like, in a Wolby in an Arsenal squad, he's yeah. like the thing that creates and does stuff like or something. attacks defenders head on. Yeah. And just kind of makes them sweat a little bit. Makes them work a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Kind of presses on the defense. And then everybody else is like, oh, they're doing that? All right, let's go up too. Speaking of about Delfeu, Arsenal could use him. Delfeu? Don't you think? They need that. We need anything we can get at this point. Especially after Oz's performance. But you know what? We'll get to that later. Alright, next. What do we have, Christian? Oh, uh, we got Premier League. We're going to be talking about Premier League. Um, We're going to start with Leicester versus Huddersfield. Uh, this game was just extra points for Leicester as they look to finish as high as they possibly can in the table. Um, the game started off with Tielemans scoring, making it 1-0. The ball bounced nicely to him from outside the box after a corner. And he just hit it with venom and it went over every player and into the net. Um, right after that, Vardy got his first of the game to make it 2-0 for the Foxes. Vardy scoring a simple tap-in at the far post, assist by Pereira. He's been pretty good this season. What do you think about Pereira overall in general and Vardy 
I think Pereira and uh, Chilwell have both have great season so far. Um, yeah, that's about it. I don't know. They've been doing good. Not much to say. I don't know where Pereira came from. I forgot. I don't know. Like, I when forgot. did they sign this guy? It was, I believe it was this season. I want to say it was this season. Unless I'm just stupid and I don't know anything. Um, but I want to say he got signed on this season. Or in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been pretty good. He's been pretty vital. Um, just going up the flank and down. Just doing what he does as a fullback. Defending and attacking at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, like you said, with Chilwell. Yeah. Um, and then Huddersfield got a penalty. And it was basically Soyeonju, uh, who started because of Maguire's absence. Uh, Maguire had like some family issue. I think he was having a baby or something like that. Okay. So congratulations to him. And Soyeonju, uh, who took a spot in the starting lineup, gave away a penalty in the 50th minute. He nicked a little bit of the ball before he stomped on uh, Grant's foot. Uh, but the ref said otherwise, basically just calling it as a foul, even mm-hmm. though he got ball first. Yeah. And uh, Moy stepped up to convert it, making it 2-1. A little bit of hope, I guess you could say, in the Huddersfield Stadium. But then, James Madison with the free kick. Lovely whipped in strike um, by Madison at the edge of the area. Some of the blame can be put on the goalie, though, um, as it went at the near post. at the, In the top. It wasn't even top corner, though. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Did you watch the goal? No, now? I did not watch the goal. It was like... Which one? Wait. Which one are we talking about real quick? James Madison. Oh. The free kick? It was a good free kick. So you did see it? I did see the free kick, yeah. It was a good free kick, but like I said, the keeper had really bad positioning. I feel like he just thought... Um, James Madison was gonna go over the wall. Yeah, he tried. He tried pre-predicting it. I I did catch that. Yeah, he was edging too much towards yeah. the far post, and it left too much space at the near post. James Madison saw that, abused it, and he just scored the goal. You know, good, good at Madison to, for him to do that to recognize that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then Vardy with the penalty, basically he got the foul. Um, after Vardy just ran in behind the defense and was just left by himself. Basically, he rounded the goalie, but then a Huddersfield defender came back quickly and brought him down. But then Vardy, like I said, uh, good penalty taker, converted the penalty, uh, leaving it as a result of 4-1 um, to the Foxes. What do you think about Leicester, Jose? Do you think they have any chance of finishing in Europe next season? With Brendan Rodgers? As region. Because they've been, they've as been region, but for now, they're doing, they're doing good fantasy-wise, so I'm going to keep picking up some Leicester players. So. Like See, Vardy? Vardy's doing thing. good again. Here's the thing, right? Like, with Brendan Rodgers, they've been in pretty good form, you can say. You can yeah. agree, right? Mm-hmm. And so Vardy, he went from being a substitute under Claude Puel to being a starter and scoring goals regularly. He's been scoring goals. He's been banging them in. Okay, we got to remember, though. This picture that Brendan Rodgers has had, too easy. That's also true. His hardest one that's going to come up will be Man City. Is that is that going to be a lesser true test or what? Well, I guess you could say that, but I still feel like under Brendan Rodgers, these small games, they used to tie or sometimes maybe lose or just barely clinch the result Yeah. under Claude Puel. But I feel like under Brendan Rodgers, um, they see him, and they, you can just see it at the end of the game when they're celebrating with him. They just have a little bit more faith, and they just kind of back the manager a little bit more than they did Puel, I feel like. Like, they did score four goals against Huddersfield. Okay, that's, that's impressive. Four goals against any team is impressive, in my opinion. Yeah. Unless you're playing, like, an amateur team, we already know that. But... Conceding a goal to Huddersfield? I mean, it was it wasn't a penalty though. Are you sure? I don't know. I didn't see. It. I'm just asking. Yeah, it was like. It could go either way. It depends how you see it, but it was it was exactly like I said. Basically, uh, defender slipped. The ball went past him when he slipped. He kind of did the splits in the box, mm-hmm. and they got up quickly, 
and kind of got a toe to the ball first. But then Grant came in trying to take the ball like before the defender could touch it. And then he put his foot down and then the lesser defender stomped on it, which made it look like it was a foul. But he, uh, the lesser defender took the ball first, kind of poked it away. Okay. You know, we'll see how that goes. And more important news, though, we got Liverpool versus Southampton. Um, big fixture. Friday big fixture. fixture. Okay, what, honestly, it wasn't supposed to be a big fixture. It was just Liverpool. I don't know what happened. But, like I said, it was supposed to be an easy fixture, but that obviously didn't happen. I mean, every fixture is a big fixture, though, at this point. Oh, yeah. At this point, for Liverpool, Man City. Okay. Liverpool, Man City, top six. For the top six top teams. Top six. Yeah, it's a big fixture now. So, like I said, it was supposed to be an easy fixture for Liverpool, but that obviously did not happen. Because in the eighth minute, Bertrand whipped the ball into the area, which found out a Southampton player that flicked it back with his head and went straight to Shane Long, who blasted it in goal. Did you Southampton the lead early? Did you know the player who flicked it on? Dude, did not. He did good, though. It was Hoiberg. Did you see the run that he made from deep in the midfield? I did see the run, though. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. That's the type of like effort you want. That's like some Liverpool stuff right there. That's that Henderson work rate right there. It is. We'll talk about that later, though, because I'm excited to talk about this yeah. game. In the 15th minute, Mohamed Salah curled the ball in towards Mane, who headed it with power towards goal. It was straight at the goalkeeper who saved it well. At this point, it was starting to hit. It was, it was starting to hit a little. I'm like, oh, Southampton really gonna do this? Cause Southampton's been playing good. I know like, they have. I kind of like what's it called? Like, didn't acknowledge how good they were doing, even though we've been watching them the past week. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. Three minutes later, Southampton was pressing highly, which gave Trent to make a mistake. Um, but Larry received the ball and aimed it towards Shane Long. Long failed to get the ball and went to Van Dyke, who tried doing his best Matip impression, almost putting the ball in their own net. That was bad. Van Dyke, I'm going to be honest. I feel like this was the first game that I'd seen from Liverpool. Did the pressure get to him or something? Because they were looking shaky. They were looking shaky defensively, and I'm not going to lie. And I think you have to admit yourself, even as a Liverpool it's fan. against his old team, though. Maybe that's why. Yeah, he, he was, was getting booed. Yeah, he was getting cheered hard by the fans. I don't know. It was... Did he leave on bad terms, though? That's the, that's my question. In the beginning of the game, he received the ball. He started getting booed. I'm like, wait. It's not like he, like, forces his way out of Southampton. They literally paid 80 mil for this guy. Why are you guys complaining? I don't know. I don't know if he left on a bad note because, in my opinion, like, I, don't, I feel like not a lot of people, or, like, most of the media didn't really have attention on Van Dyke before Liverpool signed him up for that much money. Yeah. So I don't know if he left on a bad note. It was like, all right, I'm leaving. See ya. Because they signed him uh, halfway through the season, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe that'd be the only reason why uh, yeah, they'd be mad. That's that's te- that's a team like accepting the offer and doing it. I don't know. I don't see why they would boom unless he like literally said something and just forced his way out of there. It's not like he pulled a Mariz. Does yeah. a Mariz still get praised from Leicester fans? I, well, they won a title together. Okay, but still, the way he forced his way out of there. Yeah, it was childish. But then he came back and he did do bits after. He finished the season with Leicester on a high. Um, in terms of personal. But Liverpool did kind of bring it back in the 35th minute. Trent Alexander-Arnold with the ball into Nabi Keita who headed it um, towards goal. Scoring a much needed goal for the club and himself. Scoring his first goal in a Liverpool kit. Yeah. Um. So basically, when I saw this, uh, when I saw the scoreline in turn 1-1, I immediately checked Reddit or whatever. I think the keeper could have done a lot better on this goal. Because it was a hard header. Here's the thing. It was a good. It was a really good header. It was a he bullet header. He got a hand header. to it, though. He got a hand to it, but he pushed it onto the post. Is that why you say it's his fault? Because he got a hand to it? Yeah, because he could have... 
like once you get a hand to it, it's obviously attainable. He could have stretched a little bit more. Oh, uh, he could have just pushed it out. But I feel like since Nabikita was already at the back post, even if he would have pushed it out, I feel like he could have just tapped it in anyway. Mm-hmm. But it really just depends on the rest of the Southampton defense and whether they're being aware of what's happening. Um, but nevertheless, it was a good goal from Nabikita. I'm gonna admit. But. It was a good goal, but there is, I guess, controversy surrounding it again. People are calling for VAR because, I guess, Salah was offside. Salah was offside. Yeah, wait, wasn't this the beginning of the play, though? It was, like, way before. It was, like, a minute before, wasn't it? You got the ball, though. And okay, he was I'm off. not saying it wasn't an offside or anything. I'm just saying. I think uh, what comes around goes around. That's how I see it. So I still don't want VAR, no. I'm not changing my mind whatsoever. So you don't want VAR so Liverpool don't get exposed? Oh, here we go. Nah, but he was offside, you have to admit, and I feel like that would have never happened if Salah wouldn't have got the ball. Because he was doing the work on the side, he he held the ball a little bit. Yeah, I'm not going to say it didn't affect the play whatsoever, it obviously did. But, hey, I'm just I'm just a spectator, I'm not the ref. That's why I see it. <laughs> and this didn't discourage Southampton, however, who continued to create the better chances and putting pressure on the second place Liverpool. Southampton, like, literally did not give up. They kept on going, going, going. And we've been seeing this for the past weeks. Um, they did it to Spurs. They've done it to other teams. They've Man done U. it to Man U. Almost won. Or, I mean, almost tied, but... I don't know how that game escaped from them, but, you know. Then the game got closer and closer to the 90-minute mark with no more clear chances for Liverpool, and Southampton became a waste and kill time. A tie with Southampton would kill any chance to win the title, and the players knew that. Do you think a tie would have killed the chance of Liverpool winning the title? Definitely. Okay. Any result that isn't a win at this point kills it for Liverpool. Do you think it goes the same for Man City though? Uh no. No? I don't I don't think so. You think Man City ties they don't they don't blow it? No. Because here's the thing. I feel like Man City, like I've said before with Bayern and Dorman, it's that champions mentality, you know? Mm-hmm. Even if they tie a game or if oh if they lose the game it's probably over. But mm-hmm. if they tie a game, I feel like they'll still have the mentality would be like, all right, heads up, let's go to the next one, yeah. game by game, you know? But I feel like Liverpool players, since they haven't experienced a title in so long, or just in general, the stadium hasn't experienced a trophy uh, or just a Premier League. the fans haven't. Yeah, yeah. So they feel the pressure. The fans don't go game by game. Like the manager tells the players to, like, yeah. all right, we got Southampton next. Let's focus just on that. Uh, we'll worry about Champions League later. Um, but the fans think about the end result only. And that end result would be a Premier League title. And so the fans kind of put that pressure on the players, yeah. which you, you can see is in everyone's face. And you can see uh, what happened like at the end of the game. Yeah, and then they didn't blow it, actually. Because in the 79th minute, after a clear Southampton corner, Salah led a quick counterattack with Firmino on the left of him. Um, he decided not to opt for Firmino. With two defenders covering him. Um, Salah flicked it towards goal in an open space and scored in the bottom right corner of the net, ending his drought with potentially one of the most important goals of the season, and also for him. Celebrating with the team with his shirt off, he knew how much this goal meant to the club and himself. It was kind of weird to see him celebrate like that. I feel like I don't expect Salah to celebrate like that. That goal was crazy. You know, I'm going to be honest. Give him his props. You've been hating on him for the past five weeks. Hold on, let me get there. I was about to say, Salah... That's some pace. He put the burners on hard. Literally pace pushing the Southampton defenders all the way back uh, to the 18-yard line. And then that finish, whew, the dip on that was so good. It had, like, just the right amount of curve and dip to go all the way in the bottom corner. Who's the goalie for Southampton? Gun, right? 
for Southampton. Yeah. Is it gone? I think it's gone. I want to say it's gone. Yeah, it definitely is gone, though. Basically, he just had, like, no chance of getting there. It was just it was just a nice finish. The thing is, that, uh, that made me laugh a little bit, I will admit, is Salah, just the way he was trying to body faint, he just was kind of, like, shaking his shoulders. But, and, you know, that's what he does. Like, he even does it, like, over by the byline. He had Firmino, too. If he would have missed, it would have been a whole different story. You would have heard me... Yeah, you know, we're like, here for the next 20 podcasts on trash. I would have been destroying him. The thing is, he ended up getting the goal. He didn't need Firmino, which was surprising. I thought he was going to pass it off, first of all. Oh, I, did, I, I knew he wasn't going to pass it. I knew it. I thought he was going to do a little one-two. No, he was not going to pass it. That, that goal was a much-needed goal for Liverpool, for Salah, for the fans, for everyone in Merseyside, except for the, for the Toffees. For Man U fans. For Man U fans. Nah, but you can tell that goal meant a lot for him. Especially because, you know, like I said before, you don't see Salah celebrating with the shirt off too often. He took that off right away. He basically tried ripping it off. He thought it was like the Incredible Hulk or something. Salah, what a man. Six minutes later, Firmino carried the ball, waiting for a run. He saw Henderson, that we said earlier, work rate. You can see the run. This man. He got in the area, passes to Henderson. The captain. Captain got his goal. He celebrated because he knew how much it meant for the whole thing, you know. You don't understand, man. When I was watching this, was I, crazy. I got, oh my gosh, I got so pumped up. It was crazy. I literally feel like I could have freaking, like, ran a 4K or something like that. Oh, God. <laughs> like, just by seeing Henderson's reaction, I feel like he could pump anyone up for anything in the world. Mm-hmm. He'd be, like, obese, and he'd be like, yo, go run a marathon. If, and he does that to you, you'll do it. It was, a, it was a crazy... Like, I just liked how he pointed it. He like, kind of pointed it to where he wanted it and got the ball. He finished it. Man, that's a celebration. Man, that celebration. I still can't get, like, past it. That celebration, e- even if I'm not a Liverpool fan, it made me feel good. I'm not going to lie. Oh, here we go. You're no. Arsenal fans for your neck. <laughs> Dude, Henderson, you just can't hate on him. What can you hate on him for? I don't know. Exactly. It's too good. You can't hate on Hendo. He's a big man. Come on. He's the captain. So Liverpool winning 3-1. Um, much needed win. So they were first place. And they are first place, right? Yeah, because they're a game ahead. Correct. So first place right now. Right now. City still have a game to play. Um, I have no clue who they play next. We'll see if they choke. They play Crystal Palace. That's going to be a good game. Maybe Townsend can come through again. Better. They're playing away too, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, the next game that we're going to jump into then is Bournemouth versus Burnley. This was a very unexpected result, in my opinion. Bournemouth losing 1-3 versus Burnley. Uh, Bournemouth took the early lead in the fourth minute, though, from a set piece. Um, basically, everybody thought Nathan Aki had scored the goal. He was kind of celebrating like he scored the goal. Mm-hmm. But then you watch the replay like two or three oh, yeah, times. He knew it was an own goal. He kind of just walked. He's like, yeah. yeah, he kind of walked over and he was like, yeah, guys, like I did it. But then at the same time, in the back of his head, he's like, yeah, that absolutely was not me. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was an Ashley Barnes' own goal, nevertheless. So it was 1-0 to Bournemouth. Um, and then Burnley tied the game off the corner. Begovic came up off of his line and the ball was whipped in all the way to the back post. And Chris Wood just headed it home. Any little piece of contact that he could have got to the ball would have put it in the net. Uh, Begovic did really bad. He kind of just came off of his line a little bit. Yeah. Jumped up. But he didn't. He was nowhere near the ball. And he, like, the footwork there, it was just poor from Begovic. Mm-hmm. So it was 1-1 to Burnley after that. And then Westwood made it 
2-1 to turn the result around in five minutes. McNeil took his man. Remember last week when I was talking about McNeil and how good he was? Yet again, showing his stuff. McNeil took his man to the byline and crossed it lower. And the clearance was very poor uh, from the Bournemouth defender. Mm-hmm. Kind of just got it with the edge of his foot. And it still ended up uh, in the box. And then the ball landed right to Westwood, who put it in at the far post. First time finish. It's a good finish from Westwood. And then another defensive error, um, which led to Burnley bagging another. Begovic spilt the ball um, in the box, and then uh, Wood picked it up and squared it all the way to Barnes, who redeemed himself for his earlier own goal. Burnley scoring all four goals, one of them being an own goal. So the game ended 3-1. Some big takeaways that I have from this is Bournemouth were really poor defensively, and Begovic had a nightmare of a game. Um, I don't know if you caught the game at all. You did not catch the game, but remind me, I'm pretty sure, isn't Begovic the one that got... Didn't Bournemouth use two goalies at a point? Like, sub up um, Begovic for a time or not? Yeah, yeah. Like, you're saying um, they didn't have yeah, a for sure starter? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so Boric was the defender... Or, not the defender. The goalie at one point. Correct. But it was like Begovic, Boric swapping around. Correct. Uh, you didn't really know. But Begovic had a nightmare. So, we might see... Yeah, Boric again. Boric again. <laughs> you never know. I don't know. Unless he's injured. He's I have no gloves. clue. Um... But then this result leaves Burnley in 14th with eight points away from relegation. So it's looking likely that Burnley are going to be safe for the season, which was basically going to happen. But then again, it's the Premier League. You never know. I don't know if Cardiff are for sure relegated. I think Southampton is kind of dipping back down there. I haven't seen the table recently, but I think Southampton's a little down there. So we got Huddersfield in 20th with 14 points, Fulham 19th with 17. Which that's what I really mentioned. They're done. They're done. All right. So Cardiff eighteenth with twenty eight points. Southampton seventeenth with thirty three points. So five point difference between Cardiff and Southampton. Which is crazy because Southampton. I'm. Fr- I I thought like two weeks ago they were done. I guess they're back in it. Isn't Brighton kind of around there? Yeah, Brighton are sixteenth with thirty three. Same points as Southampton, and then Newcastle are fifteenth with thirty five. So Newcastle still kind of hanging around too then. I mean, if Cardiff of, brought it back, like let's say Cardiff won three games in a row. I mean, it would all the results would have to be in their favor, also. Yeah, but I'm saying like if they win three games in a row, regardless, they're gonna start shaking up a little something down there. But it's not gonna happen. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think Cardiff's basically done at this point. Yeah, sadly, because they were bringing it back a little. In they the were in the middle you know, of the season. I I wasn't really paying attention to Cardiff a lot throughout the season, but mm-hmm. then. Uh, once we started doing the podcast regularly, I was paying attention to Premier League or just like football in general. Yeah, you pay more attention to like everything around. Yeah, the you league. pay attention to even like the smaller teams. Like yeah. I used to not watch the, uh, the I guess small team fixtures. Mm-hmm. You could say. And some some of the small team fixtures, the better ones. Yeah, it's like the more exciting ones because they're fighting for something. Like I used to not care about relegation battles. I thought that was stupid. Yeah. I used to just care about anything Arsenal, and now I'm just kind of like you know I kind of like Leicester. I kind of like Wolves. I kind of like Watford. Yeah. That Liverpool goal with Henderson, you know, hyped me up a little bit. It was exciting mm-hmm. to watch that. I don't know. I'm just all over the place in the Premier League. But, like, deep down, still a hardcore Arsenal fan. That's what comes first. But then the rest of it is just I'm a football fan, you know. All right, speaking of Arsenal, I'll take it to Everton versus Arsenal. Um, as Chris said last podcast, Arsenal had a game in hand, and this was their game in hand. Um, and this was their, also their chance to solidify their spot as third place of the Premier League. Um, you guys probably know by now that did not happen. In the ninth minute, um, Dinya threw a long throw in to the box. It bounced around and found Chagielka, who put it in. 
in goal, making it 1-0 for Everton. Um, there was a little bit of controversy because Arsenal fans are claiming that Digne, um stepped over the line. Yeah, throwing. he did. No, he for sure did. I know. He, you see his tweet? No. Some Arsenal fan tweeted him saying he stepped over the line, and then Digne said, oh, you guys are only, you guys are only complaining because you guys lost, and then he put like a laughing emoji. So. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> it was over. I saw it, though. Here's the thing, right? Dina's over. He knows he's over. Who's not going to complain about that goal being a goal? Like, the decisive goal and a result where you need a result? Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously, that would have never happened if there would have been VAR. But... Here we go. Listen, listen, listen. Let me talk. I'm let not going to complain. Let me talk. I'm not going to complain because Arsenal were so poor. The whole game. They were trash. It's not like they created anything. Exactly. They were trash. So, did they deserve to lose? Yes, 100%. No doubt about it. But Everton acting like they're a much better club than Arsenal, I I don't know what to say. They're definitely not. But Is this, is this AFTV on podcast now or what? Nah, Everton's just... <laughs> Lucas Digne, stupid. That's why he's not at Barca anymore. Oh, okay. So I was, as Christian said, I was gonna say the next thing. Um, Arsenal did create very, very, very little chances, but when they did, um, the chances were still trash. Didn't do anything. Didn't create danger. Nothing. Absolutely not. Um, seventieth minute, Mkhitaryan, um, curled the ball bottom right corner. It was a little wide. It's probably their best chance all game. And then yeah, I Ever- I agree. Everton seemed like the better side, creating, having more chances. So like they did create, but they also had so many chances that they couldn't make any of them. Oh my gosh. Seventy third minute deflected shot from Sigerson found Charleston one v one versus Leno, but he shot it horribly wide. See, give those chances to Arsenal, and I think Arsenal would have had a field day. Here's the thing, Sigerson missing all those chances. Richarlison put him on a plate for him. Sigurdsson, okay, other way around too though. Yeah, other way around. No, no, no. It was just them two just basically enjoying themselves throughout the game, and it should have been two, three, four, five nil, six nil, maybe even. 9-0. Who freaking knows? I don't know. It was bad. It was, overall, it was just Arsenal's defense was so poor. They got abused. In my opinion, Emery had just the, Here we the, go. the bad tactics. He should have started Ramsey. Okay, now you said, okay, I was going to say that next. So, I was going to say, overall, it was a pretty entertaining game. I enjoyed it. Um, me and my dad and my brother, we all had a good time watching it. I was going to say this. Also... What the heck? Trash. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying overall. Overall is trash. You guys hype him up. You guys say he does good. Every time I watch, he doesn't do anything. I don't know if it's me having a curse with Ozil or what. But it's terrible. Terrible. That's because you don't watch the beauty of what he does. Oh, what beauty? He's so lazy. Okay, this was an overall bad performance from the whole team. Given that Henderson work rate, he'd probably be good. You would not be saying that. If you would have seen last week's game, it'd be completely different. Okay, but these are the games that matter right now against Everton. Every game matters right now. Like we said before, every game for the top six matters. It's a big game, every game. Okay, but this was like a... what? what do you, how do you say this? This should be like attainable against Everton. This is probably like one of your harder fixtures left. Because doesn't Arsenal have one of the easier like schedules left out of no. the top six? Oh, well, yeah. If you want to compare them to everyone else... Because they don't play Man City or Liverpool. Okay, there we go. It's probably one of their harder fixtures, I guess you could say. But in terms of Arsenal, if you compare it to how they play and like the games that they have, they have Leicester away. They have 
Wolves away, and I believe they have uh, either Palace or Watford away. One of the two. I can't remember which was which. But anyway, I think there's like five or six games left, two of them only being at home. And our away record, we haven't kept a clean sheet all season, season away. Yeah, no, I saw that. That's awful. <laughs> how? I just don't understand how that's possible. You can't be that bad in terms of defense. And still be top four in the contention for top four. It's crazy. I think it's stupid. But nonetheless, I'm going to support Arsenal until the end of the season. We'll see what the table says. Bami's not good enough. I'm going to say it too. I've been saying it. Continue to say it. Lacazette, eh. Eh. El Neni should not have started. Yeah, I was... I was... I didn't when see, the, I didn't see the lineup until I... And then I was watching the game and I heard the commentary say El Neni. I'm like, wait, what? This, where is this dude? I think Shaka was injured. I think that's okay. why. But, um, basically, Guendouzi, you know, if you have Shaka there, it, he's he's not bad. But Guendouzi and Elneny, Elneny hasn't really played consistently for most season. He's been playing Europa for the most part, kind mm-hmm. of. Just, like, being subbed on every once in a while. Um, but a player who doesn't really have, hasn't really got, like, much game time, plus a player who makes consistent mistakes. Because Guendouzi's good, but he, he still sometimes has the inexperience of just like making that those stupid sloppy passes or the dumb mistakes mm-hmm. and that was our two midfielders and which was ridiculous we're getting Toreira back um I believe next game and then hopefully Shaka comes back soon I know Ramsey for sure so, should have started cause everything isn't he resting him though I feel like they were kind of resting him for Europa League that's, that was my question I guess that's say. probably what's gonna happen but here's the thing I would rather finish Top four, and win Europa. Okay, but correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't well either way. It? Europa champions going yeah, to the Champions League. Is that your easier route? No. No. It, Cause what do they play now? Right now. Or Europa League, Arsenal. Oh, uh, I don't remember. Oh, fake Arsenal fan. Someone come get them. All right, but basically, here's the thing. Hold on, let me check. Well, they play Napoli. Oh, okay, <laughs> just take the Premier League route then. Yeah, take the Premier League route. They're playing Napoli, right? So, and you still have Chelsea in the competition. You still have Benfica, Eintracht, and then Villarreal, Valencia. Basically, there's seven teams there. So basically, Premier League is the move. Yeah, Premier League is the easiest way to getting into Champions League next season. But... That's only going to happen if we get away results. Which, if they don't pick up in the next game, it's not going to happen. Because I think the points difference is too close for uh, for like any mistakes at this point. So, yeah, like, if they would have won, they would have been third. And yeah. now they lost, and we're talking about them being in fifth now. Yeah. Especially after uh, the Chelsea result, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, so Chelsea are ahead of them. Tottenham are ahead of them. And then, man, you are behind Arsenal, who are in sixth by two points, which is still really close. That's five points difference between third and sixth, so it can fluctuate within the next five games mm-hmm. towards the end of the season once you get into that final stretch. Um, but like I said, I'm going to talk about that Chelsea-West Ham game that did happen um, yesterday, which was Monday. It was pretty exciting. Was it? If you're a Chelsea fan, it was. E- even just in general, the goals are nice. In my opinion, Hazard scored both of them. It's been the talk um, of the town lately. But Chelsea looking to chase uh, the other English Giants and reach top four because the top six have basically kind of secured their Europe spots uh, mm-hmm. within themselves. 
at this point in the season. Callum Hudson and Doy did get a second start of the season, but also back to back starts, which is pretty good for him. It was um Hazard, Iwain, and Hudson and Doy starting, so Triple H. And then Hazard getting the first goal of the game, which was a nice solo goal. If you haven't seen it, I recommend going to watch it. I did see it. Beautiful piece of football. Beautiful quick feet that from Hazard. Um Hazard was given the ball in the middle of the field and just kind of went through the whole West Ham team and just mm-hmm. left Fabianski for dead. Cutting it on his left, putting it on his right, doing what he does, putting it past players with a little scoop turn, um, just kind of cut through the whole defense, and then finished it with his left foot, low, uh, right past Fabianski, like I said. And then West Ham just started to create a little bit of chances after the goal, uh, but the same could be said for Chelsea. It was kind of going both ways, getting a little bit more even, you could say. Hazard, as always, was a danger man the whole time. Um, but they kept putting on pressure and everything good that happened in the game did go through Hazard and then Chelsea, Chelsea's pressure did lead to another goal in the final minutes. West Ham's defense was caught cold. Hazard left wide open in the box and Barkley sniffed him out. Hazard did what he does best, scoring goals, volleyed it Mm -hmm. all the way to, uh, to the far post past Fabianski again. So Hazard having a really good game. Some big takeaways that I have, uh, Chelsea had a really good game especially with that Loftus-Cheek and Hazard connection. Um, Loftus-Cheek has kind of rejuvenated, I guess you could say, that midfield because everybody thought, um, I don't know if you remember, Jose, but at the beginning of the season uh, when Kovacic was brought in. The whole Kovacic-Barkley thing. Yeah, everybody thought Kovacic, you know, was going to bring him back a little bit. Yeah, nailed you know, Make him good. He lost his spot slowly. Yeah, he lost his spot a little bit. Barkley uh, was has been kind of in and out of the side. Uh, but Loftus-Cheek, same thing. He, he hasn't really been starting like at the beginning of the season. But then now towards the final stretch, he's been getting um, put in a little bit longer. And like I believe he started this game. Correct. So then Loftus-Cheek and Hazard have been really dangerous together, um, especially last week's game when they both scored those beauties. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this result brings them up to third with 66 points. Like we said before, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Man United are behind them. Um, so that's good for Chelsea. But and with a game of a Liverpool ahead, so we'll see how that goes. It's also true. West Ham maintain their spot in the middle of the table at 11th place, but now uh, are on back-to-back losses for the Hammers. So that's basically it for that one. You want to talk about Newcastle versus Palace? Yeah, we'll talk about Newcastle Palace real quick. Um, it was kind of a pretty competitive game, I guess you could say. Um, pretty back and forth the whole time. The only goal did come from a penalty, usual for Palace, I guess. Zaha was brought down in the box, clear penalty, and Milivojevic converted. That's about it. Newcastle, Newcastle still kind of like um zoning around that safe zone spot, kind of not safe. Yeah. Crystal Palace is kind of like mid table, I guess you could say. Um, Zaha's steadily improving. I think Zaha's one of the better players on Crystal, obviously. And Batushua is still looking a little rough, in my opinion. I saw this video on YouTube the other day. It was a really nice, uh, like, well-put-together video. It was from the channel HITC7s. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, his videos or anything. I haven't seen the videos, but shout-out to HI... What's the one? TC7. TC7. There you go. Shout-out. Yeah, basically, they're a really good channel. I enjoy watching because uh, they put up videos regularly. But they made, um, I think they made a top seven players... Or no, they made a team of 11 of the best players that aren't in the top six teams. So you're not going to include Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, and Man U. Maybe we should do that. 
We should do that. I, yeah, I, I think we should do that for the next podcast. It'd be kind of fun to do. All right. Well, then I recommend you not watching this video then. I won't watch it. So I you can think about it on your own. But um, for those of you listening, this is a really cool video because they had like, um, like I said, the players who aren't in the top six teams, just like the best 11 in the Premier League. It was really cool to see. Zaha was obviously in it. Um, yeah, just some interesting names. They had s- some Wolves players. I believe they had uh, Nathan Aki in defense at one point. I wonder who I'd put as my goalie. Hmm. We'll see. It's interesting, though. I'll, it's interesting I'll, I'll to make, think about. I'll make one for well, they had, Friday podcast. Well, uh, Rui Patricio. That's who they had in goal. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I'll make remember, one for the Friday podcast, though. You remember last podcast that we were talking about Rui Patricio, whether he was top 10? Yeah. He's still, like, not not considering the top six. He's a top-class goalie, you know, still, even. Okay, yeah. I agree with that. But, yeah. If you haven't checked that out, that channel is really amazing. I like watching them. Shout out to them, because it gives me something to do when I'm really bored, when football's not on. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to jump into uh, La Liga, then. Oh, yeah, something else I watched when I'm bored, but, okay. La Liga? It's interesting. <laughs> In my opinion, it is, at Obviously. least. Uh, but... The big game of the weekend in La Liga was Barcelona versus Atletico de Madrid. Uh, Barcelona were 2-0 victors in a very competitive game. The first half of the game was very exciting, and you could say it was dominated by Atleti in the first 20 minutes until Diego Costa got sent off for modeling to the ref. Um, Barca had some chances to take the lead, but the heroics of Jan Oblak and the post kept it 0-0 at the break. Jordi Alba did hit the post. Jan Oblak was spectacular the whole game. Credit to him because he kept him in the game. Um, but you can say the same thing with Ter Stegen the other way. But I feel like Atleti's chances, they had them, but they weren't as dangerous as Barca's if, in terms of the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Barcelona put on the pressure in the second half, especially with the man advantage that they did have. Atletico just didn't give up, though, and kept getting slight chances, but not really anything serious, like I said. If Diego Costa wouldn't have got sent off, then who knows what the result would have been like because Atletico... Um, Seemed to have been keeping up with the 10 men. Mm-hmm. The breakthrough did come in the 85th minute, though, from Luis Suarez. His curling shot from outside the box was the first shot to beat Oblak all night. And then two minutes later, Messi doing what he does, dribbled from half field on the counter and took on Jimenez and Godin inside the box and passed it in the near post with Oblak left standing to watch. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good game from Messi in the second half. Um, he just kind of like flipped the switch and just started doing his bits. Are you thinking about the Drake song? <laughs> I was thinking about the Drake song. I just flipped the switch. Flip, flip. Messi did that. And he just kept taking on defenders. Basically, he was just kind of going on his little solo runs. And they kept working. But just like the end product of like the shot, it was either a nice save from Oblak or it was straight at him. But either way, Oblak just had a really good game. Which is the reason why, in my opinion, he's a top three goalie. in the Kajat Stegen are my top three. Okay. Yeah, so the next podcast goes. All right, go on, go on. All right, and then the other game that I want to talk about um, is Real Madrid versus Ibar. Ibar took the lead uh, through Cordona with a tapping at the far post. Karim Benzema equalized in the second half and then took the lead uh, from a Tony Cruz cross who was subbed in um, to win 2-1. So that mm-hmm. was the result for that. So main takeaways, uh, the top three spot in La Liga w- are like is basically solidified at this point. There are 10 points between third place Real Madrid and fourth place Getafe beat Atletico or Atletic Bilbao I'm sorry uh, 1-0 as they battle for the last Champions League spot and then the other game that I want to talk about is Rayo Vallecano versus Valencia Rayo beat Valencia 2-0 with goals from Tomas and Mario Suarez this drops them down to 6th place 
Um, three points behind fifth place Sevilla, who beat Valladolid 2-0. And then Getafe, Valencia, Sevilla. And if you want to throw in Alaves in there, mm-hmm. are the teams that are just kind of fighting for Europe right now um, in La Liga. One Champions League spot. And then I think uh, one Europa League and then one playoff spot. Um, so that's what they got to play for. Whoever takes seventh, they get to stay in the top flight of La Liga, but they don't get into Europe, basically. But sixth place, they still got to fight their, for their spot in uh, Europa. So that could lead them to Europa League, but could possibly just let have them stay in La Liga also. Mm-hmm. So some pretty interesting stuff in La Liga in terms of fighting for Europe. Um, but then I know, Jose, you want to talk about a milestone in Mexico? Yeah, a quick milestone in Mexico that was achieved. Um, 10,000 goal in Estadio Azteca. Um, this goal was scored by Caraglio of Cruz Azul when they defeated Querétaro 3-0. Um, he celebrated this goal by taking off his shirt because this goal means a lot for the stadium, fans, um, Mexicans all around the world, Chris Azul fans, and himself, obviously, too. Um, he received kind of like a Medal of Honor. Or not, not honestly, I don't want to call it Medal of Honor, but like a little... Like a milestone one? Like, like, a, like a milestone kind of like thing. It was cool. Like an achievement. Yeah, there was fireworks at the stadium and everything. I thought it was really cool. Like when the goal happened or at the end of the game? At the end of the game, there's like fireworks and all that. Oh, and he got really? like a little, like an achievement, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. It was just cool to see. And then, we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday, and there's seven minutes left for the Champions League games. So, quick predictions. What Champions League games we got going on, Jose? Today, we got Spurs are hosting Man City. Do you think Spurs will beat Man City today? Or what will the score be today? Uh, 3-0 City. Today? Yes. I'm just saying, I'm just saying this leg. First leg, 3-0? Yeah, and I'm saying 3-0. I think I, I'm gonna go one one Spurs. I mean, here's the thing. One one Spurs. Wait, um, thing. I don't. I actually don't know. The new tunnel stadium that opened up is this still considered a White Hart Lane? Um, it doesn't have a name right now. It's called the the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I looked it up. I was curious. Um, fans are calling it the new White Hart Lane just because that's like people are calling it. But yeah. it has no name. They're kind of just leaving it empty for they're kind of waiting for someone to buy it, like the Emirates. You yeah. know, it's called oh, the Emirates yeah, yeah. brand. They're kind of waiting for a brand or something like that to buy it. So it's just called Tottenham Hotspur Stadium right now. Interesting. So, well, I know from past experiences, if it's anywhere near as big as uh, Wembley, then I know the pitch is going to be wide. Man City like to play in open spaces and on a really wide field, mm-hmm. like at Wembley. You can see they expose Brighton like that. So if it's just as wide, because I know Wembley Stadium is like a little bit wider. You can just see the, the open spaces get a lot bigger at yeah. Wembley. So... If the new stadium pitch is anywhere near as big as Wembley, um, then you know City's gonna be doing some good stuff here and there, um, with the open spaces and like their clever passing. So, City are in good form. Um, Tottenham, yeah, man, getting back there, I guess. Yeah, on the way up. So, in my opinion, City are gonna end up being three nil victors in this leg. Jesus. Or maybe know. like three nil, three one. I'm gonna go one one. Um. One well, one. Yeah, but the thing is, I am conflicted. Because today, at the same time, we will have Liverpool hosting Porto. Um, and you've the first leg. What game do you watch, though? I don't know. I'm probably, I'm, I'm probably going to watch the Man City one. Dang. Fake Liverpool fan or oh, what? Oh, I need... Dude, <sighs> come on. It's be a better game. Let's be honest. Uh, it's going be a better game because I think Liverpool's going to win four. All right, all right. If Liverpool win, you know, it's exciting to see. Because I, I kind of want to see Barca-Liverpool. Like... That'd be pretty exciting to see, you know. Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you that. Jamie Carragher, 
I was watching his, you know, his little show or with Neville, you know. On Sky Sports? Yeah. Yeah. He said he'd be okay with club resting players against potentially Barcelona. For the league? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Once you're in the side, that's, that's just, more, that's just disrespectful to like teams like Porto then. Just give Porto the spot then, you know. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, lose on purpose so Porto can go through. Yeah, if you're going to rest players... Eventually. If you're going to rest players eventually in the semifinal, why don't you just... I just think it's Go stupid. all out for it. Yeah, just... It's either, I think go all out for both. You can do both. Because the professionals are capable of playing 90 minutes in a game. That's how I see it, and I will continue to see it that way. I've never played professionally, though, so I don't know. <laughs> but Liverpool, I think um, they're probably going to end up winning 2-0. Today... Yeah. So you're saying Man City's going to beat Spurs by a higher margin than Liverpool beat Porto then? Yeah, because uh, Porto's defense is not easy to get through. <sighs> Casillas is though, so. Hey, Casillas is a legend. Respect the legend, man. Okay, I'll go 3-0 Liverpool today. And tomorrow we'll have Juventus. I think Ajax, Ajax hosts Juventus, I'm pretty sure. Yes, sir. So, that's... I don't know how to feel about that one. And then Old Trafford. Man, man United you. versus Barca. Austin Barca. All right. We'll go Ajax versus Juve first. What do you think, Jose? I think we'll go Ajax 2-1. Ajax 2-1? Yeah. You think Ronnie and friends are going to lose the first leg? Yeah. I think Ronaldo could probably bring it back second leg, but first leg, Again? we're talking Ajax in Ajax Stadium. I think Ajax got it 2-1. See, I don't know, man. Here's the thing, right? I really want to see like Juve go through, but at the same time, Ajax, man, they're so exciting to watch. That last one... It was, it was great I don't want to see, see Ajax out basically. basically. Yeah, I like Ajax now. Mm-hmm. Ajax is exciting to watch because of the Champions League last time. Mm-hmm. It made me excited. Makes me support him a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't really know. I think Juve are going to win, though. Because Juve is a different breed, you know, With the, at this point. Like, Ronaldo's, just, his Champions League form is going up. I've said this before. When Ronaldo starts scoring goals, man doesn't stop. I think he's, he's scoring two, 2-0. Two Ronaldo scoring both of them. But then Man United Barca. Barca. Uh, I got Barca 2 0. 2 1. I'm not going to go on a limb and say 4 0. I'm going to say 2 1 just because it's that Old Trafford. But once it hits Camp Nou, it's something else. Yeah, I think Man U might steal a goal or two. But I'm going to say 2 0 this game. It's going to be some fluky Lukaku goal, too. Mm-hmm. Watch. Yeah, so basically, we'll review all these games on our Friday podcast then, correct? Correct. So, yeah, we'll go over all these results on the Friday podcast. We'll discuss the net, our weekend fixtures and all that. Yeah. So, like always, thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. Um, we're going to be coming up with new segments for the next podcast, so just be up for that. And anything else you want to add? Uh, follow our Instagram, at Football Around the World Podcast. Yeah, what about that Twitter, huh? That Twitter? That Twitter has been making me mad. I actually contacted oh. Twitter support, and they were like, man, I don't know, man. You, do you have another email? And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to make another email, cuz. But I don't know. That's just how it is. So, Twitter coming soon. Twitter support. Step your game up. I want to have a Twitter for this podcast. But yeah, follow our Instagram. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Give us some feedback. Enjoy the Champions League. Enjoy football. We'll be back on Friday. Thank you.